Welcome back, everyone, to 2022. Welcome to the Retro Chat Podcast. I'm Andy Evans, and um, joining me to my right is my former tag team partner from Two Men and Their Mics. Yes, it did exist, believe it or not. We did have a show. Uh, we still do, technically. We've never actually finished the show, so it's still there. It's just on a break. Uh, it's Jason T. Dempsey. Jace, how you doing, my friend? It's been a long year, hasn't it? <laughs> well, yes. Do, do you know that next month will be one year since we did a two-man show? Yes, I did know that, which is exactly why I said it's been a hell of a year, isn't it? Yeah, it really has. It really has. Actually, mind, we honest, I'm, I'm blagging that one. I didn't have a clue that it was that close to being a year. But um, let's be fair with everything that was going on last year. It's not a surprise that it's been that long. No, it's not. But, you know... We're back now doing a retro chat, not the two men doing a retro chat podcast, the the new project. Um, now, I just want to put it out there that we never actually finished Two Men of Their Mics. We never closed it down. Um, and I am still trying to convince this dude to come back and do some. Um, the fact that I've got him here now is because of the fact that I don't quite know how I've managed to do it. I think it's because we're talking about Spider-Man. That's how I've managed to do it. Um, but if you want Jason to come back, please, please let him know. His Twitter handle is at the bottom of his name. Tell him to come back and do some more Two Men in the Mics or Retro Chat. This is right up your alley, mate. Yeah, to be fair, I can't imagine this is going to be the only time that I'm going to do this with you in the first place. To be honest, I'll get that straight out there. Um, it's not a case of not wanting to do these things. Um, as we know, this past year has just been mental. Um, my little girl's come into her own. She's become a quite little, you know, quite the character, as I'm sure you can imagine being my daughter. And subject to my midfielder time, it's quite an interesting one. But um, yeah, between that, between work, between um, numerous different strains of COVID, this, that, and the other uh, restrictions, just generally everything that can happen has happened this past year. I've moved, obviously. That's a long story, but. Um, it's, it's been crazy, and I'm not going to lie, the time just hasn't been there. So, like I said, it's not a case of not wanting to do these things. I've had to take a sabbatical from other projects as well at the same time. I mean, as you know, I uh, used to write a column for uh, the Real Wrestling website. Mm -hmm. And, um, geez, it's, it's been around about the same time since I've done a column for them. Uh, you know, it's about a year or so. So I am already working on reintegrating myself into that ecosystem. So I can't see it being too long before I start doing other things as well. So watch this space. That's all I'm going to say. Wow, fantastic. Well, it'll be good to have you back doing a show. In fact, uh, before we do that, let's just give you some updates on a couple of things that are coming up over the next few weeks. So uh, you may have noticed that we are live right now. Um, haven't done a live show for quite a long time, but we are live, uh, live and exclusive right on facebook and on twitch and on youtube and in a couple of weeks we'll be going into other places however we do have some shows that have been announced so in two weeks time right here on a wednesday night at eight o'clock we're going to be looking back at the 1992 royal rumble match which we're calling a flair for the gold because obviously uh that was rick flair winning the wwf championship spoiler alert in the Royal Rumble match itself, that's Flair for the Gold. The following week, um, I'm actually going to be joined by, I know one person, 
and I'm looking for another one because we're going to be doing the retro chat debate. And it's which is the greatest or who is the greatest wrestling manager? Jim Cornette versus Bobby the Brain Heenan. And the reason I'm saying that is because one of your fellow contributors on Real Wrestling, Peanut, is going to be on the show and will be defending one of those two managers. So join us for that. More details coming up uh, on social media and on the Discord for the MOS Network. Check it out. But what do you think about that? A couple of good shows coming up in the next few weeks, aren't there? Absolutely. I'm intrigued just to see who, um, who, who Peanut's supporting in that one, to be honest. Well, I know, but I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, Head of Steel is watching us now on Twitch. He's just said, hello, fellas. Hello, Head. How you doing? I uh, hope you're all doing good. Uh, before we get on to our topic for today, let's give you some shout outs. If you want to get in contact with us right here on social media, you can do. All you need to do is head to Instagram and Facebook and Twitch and search for Retro Chat Podcast. Tweet us at Retro Chat Pod. And then subscribe on all the main podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, anything else that's got a radio in it. Subscribe, listen, and you get the latest shows available. Plus, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, which is Retro Chat Podcast UK, you will get all of our back catalogue, plus some extra bits and pieces that I found from the archives, Jay. Do I want to know? um no come on enlighten me are there any horror stories there's no there's no horror stories but there's some classic upw action that um, didn't realize we still had the footage for so yeah we got some classic upw footage we got the live stream we got quiz night live uh which you can still play and still donate to um we got promotion wars which is booking aew haven't really got very far in that Again, because I'm just not very good at that type of thing. Um, and then we got everything else. Short tracks, retro play, you name it. So, yeah, check it out. There we go. Now, today's topic. Uh, it is a big one because we are going to be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Is it the best MCU movie that's been released to date? So, like, let's kick it off, Jay. I mean, you are the quite possibly the biggest fan of Marvel, DC, comic books, the whole genre. I mean, just look at the man cave behind you in the new place. What were your thoughts? What did you think of of No Way Home to kick us off? I'm assuming we're going completely um, spoilerific on this one. Yeah, I will going to make, I am, yeah, that's a very good point. Let's make that clear right from the outset. The film was released on December 17th here in the, uh, December the 15th here in the UK, 17th in the US. Uh, I did only actually get to see it uh, the day after Boxing Day. Uh, I got forgotten about. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I knew that would get a reaction. Uh, so I went to see it on the Tuesday, uh, cracking film. I avoided all spoilers. I was completely spoiler free. When I saw how? 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 How do you maintain any kind of social media presence and actually avoid spoilers? Because for once, people were actually really good. They were just putting, um, did you see this and did you see that? Or I was just looking at the right people or just not on social media that much. 
Uh, which, which I, I go like? with the latter because, I mean, seriously, I literally logged into my phone the Wednesday morning um, because it came out on the Wednesday. I logged into my phone Wednesday morning. I pulled down my drop down and there was a spoiler right in front of my face. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, but you saw it on release, didn't you? You yeah. saw it at midnight. Yeah. No, no, not midnight. No. Didn't you? You saw it the following night? I saw it on the Wednesday evening. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine managed to get us tickets. And believe me, it was very short notice. We were sat right at the front of the cinema. And um, as you know, if you're right at the front, you are watching the movie like this. Yeah, you got neck out. <laughs> the difficult thing about it as well was we were in not right in the corner, but far enough over to one side that we were just literally like that. And I'm not even joking that um, there's quite a few web slinging scenes at the beginning of the movie because it picks up right where the previous one left off. And I am not going to lie, there was some vertigo going on at that point in time because Ouch. my eyes couldn't see anything else and it was as good as being there. It was really, really, really disconcerting. I bet, I bet. I mean, well, you know, let's kick it off. What did you think of it? I mean, you said, yeah, you know, you said the film starts straight after the end of Far From Home, um, which was a cracking, you know, film at that point anyway and was up there in terms of the Spider-Man uh, films. We had that reveal by J. Jonah Jameson, and from Mysterio, that, that Spider-Man was Peter Parker, the first time it had been unveiled. Uh, and and the look from Tom Holland and the way the public just turned against him at that point. Take, so, us, take us through it. Tell us what you think. One, one of my favourite things about um, Far From Home, I think it was, I get confused with all the homes. Um, yeah, the previous iteration of Far From Home, um, I, 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 the biggest hook for me for the next movie was that end scene where, um, you know, hey, it's J. Jonah Jameson played by um, the same fella. I can't remember his name for the life of me at the moment, um, but he's Commissioner Gordon from Batman, the uh, yeah. Snyderverse version. Um, same guy that played him during the uh, Tobey Maguire era, obviously. I should know his name. I don't. You really should. <laughs> but, um, I'm not fact-checking you. I'm going to let you struggle. No, that's fine. You carry on. So, yeah, that was a big, big hook for me. Now, I don't hold um, Far From Home in quite as high esteem as what other people do. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But I didn't find it mind-blowing. And I think the problem with that was coming out of Endgame, um, there was this massive, um, this, this huge high from what we've just seen before between, um, you know, the Infinity War and Endgame. Obviously, we had a few in between them. To break it up, I think it was Ant Man 2 and Captain Marvel, but Endgame was the big one that was really the um, that was the final chapter for the cinematic universe as it was then, with Spider Man kind of attached as a bit of an epilogue. So mm. I think by that point, my mindset was very much this is this is a closing movie, all I'm really interested in is seeing the, the, the fallout from what's come mm. before. And we had snippets of that. I mean, let's be fair, we didn't get to the, the, the meat and the potatoes of um, what went on with the blip and all of that until we started looking into the TV shows, you know, WandaVision, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, all of those. But as I said, I think that affected my viewpoint going into that movie. 
you know, there was all the murals of Iron Man and everything. Tom Holland was, uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker was still recovering from the death of, of Iron Man. And yeah, for me, I was far more invested in the, all oh, what's happening next rather than, all oh, this is a Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. So the hook for me, the, the really big change to the status quo came with that end reveal and, and Peter with his hands on his head going, what the, just as it finishes, you know what I mean? So for the, the third movie, um, No Way Home to, to end, uh, to begin rather where the previous, exactly where the previous one ended, um, I thought was fantastic. The funny thing is, it was also for me the slowest part of the movie. So, I, I, just on. picking that, just, just picking that up from from where you were there. I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head then, because I think Far uh, No Way Home was quite a slow burn. It, it really did kind of build itself gradually, and it was more of a a coming of age story, really for for Peter Parker, kind of embracing that superhero mantra that he was moving into that tony stark was kind of giving him the responsibility for back in the avengers um j- just before we carry on jk simmons uh courtesy of head of steel he think that's the guy who played uh, j jonah jameson i owe myself a slap for not knowing that seriously if i'm I gonna sound, i'm gonna i'm putting it down to stage fright it's been a long time oh, since on. i've done one of these <laughs> that's a fair point yeah it has been yeah but you, so, you, you were shaking your head in disagreement with me there, which I kind of come to expect now, doing a show no, like with you. <laughs> no, not disagreement. Um, I think more in, in consideration of what you were saying, to be fair. Um, that there's a lot that I want to build towards in regards to what you were saying just then. There's a lot that I want to build towards because my feelings throughout the movie shifted. I'm not going to lie. They did. They changed and they turned and they twisted. Now, it, it's no um, no secret to anybody that my my thing, what if stories, uh, the multiverse, um, uh, alternate realities, it, it spans everything that I'm into. You know, we talked at length in the past about Star Trek. I love the mirror universe simply because I like people to be something that they're not necessarily in the here and now, you know. Um, Marvel's What If series, although I found it, I've got to be honest, a little bit disappointing. Um, mm. I did also still enjoy it. You know, I, I think the reason for the disappointment was how lofty my hopes were for it after having been an avid reader of the What If comic books. And the fact that it stuck rigidly to the cinematic universe, which we are also, um, we're kind of finding that out why now in regards to that. But um, yeah, the multiverse side of things has always been my thing. So when it became apparent that WandaVision, Spider-Man, and then Doctor Strange 2 were going to become a trilogy of sorts that's focusing on the, um, the, the multiverse and everything, that really, really, really piqued my interest. Um, obviously, uh, again, there's a hell of a lot to take from the movie in regards to the multiverse and we'll get to that as we discuss you know what went on in the film and everything but yeah because of that 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 investment in what was coming up next i did find the beginning very slow Mm. i would agree i mean there were some great comedic moments at the beginning uh you know especially when he's swinging you know when he's swinging with with zendaya uh and, and she looks like she's about to vomit i mean that was just absolutely hilarious so then going into the subway and, and all the way through and avoiding the train ending up at aunt may's 
apartment and you see her and happy in there and he, he, he was far from happy um in that segment you know but it was just you you were sat there laughing it was really comedic which let's be frank some of the marvel films haven't had that you know unless you've been guardians or um you know for ragnarok and and maybe some of the iron men they've been some of them have been quite serious I'd say they're in the minority. Um, one of the few that I could think of would be for the Dark World, um, which I thought was a little bit too serious. Civil War was quite serious. It had a few jokes here and there. But then the subject matter didn't lend itself to, uh, you know, like a quasi-comedy. Yeah. So that's totally, in that respect, forgivable. Spider-Man, um, if there wasn't any humour, I think people would be very, very disappointed. As if you've ever read a Spider-Man comic book, they are full of it left right and center the, the quips the uh, the wise cracks the the interplay between the characters often hero and villain um yeah. it just it, it's a mile a minute and again if you didn't get that in the movies then they wouldn't be true to the character that peter parker and spider-man are supposed to be so it, it, it had to be there it had to be there but kudos to um to tom holland i mean one of the first things i said to the person i was at the cinema with was my god the boys bulked up a bit you know, when he's there with his top off um, in the bedroom, uh, again with um, MJ, yeah. I was going to say Mary Jane, but it's uh, Michelle Jones, let's not forget that. Yeah. Um, that's picked yeah. up quite a few times in that film. Quite a few times that's referenced. Yeah. yeah. But we'll and get to that. It's the first time, it's the first time in the series that they referenced the surname being Watson. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. But, um, yeah, I, I found the beginning slow. It started picking up pace a little bit for me, obviously, with the introduction of Doctor Strange and everything else. But I do have to be very, very honest and say that from the very, from about 15, 20 minutes in, when we got through that scene that continued straight on from the previous movie, that was when I really started getting into it, for sure. It, it, it's one of those telltale signs when you go see a film and you're in a, an auditorium and you're in a theatre and the whole room starts belly laughing, you know, and, and there were moments, especially when they went to meet Doctor Strange and, um, you know, Wong comes in from the from from the arctic and you walk in and it's just like an ice palace and 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 that's it and the interaction between him and benedict cumberbatch is quality i mean it's just it's gold you know um and you can't help but belly laugh for it and then what we you know the bit where they're talking about reversing time and he said have you just called have you called them have you spoke to them no yeah but the thing is it's as well um that's not just um, solid interplay between the characters. That's also very good writing because, let's be fair, Peter Parker's meant to be, what, 18 at this point? 18, 19, yeah. maybe? Yeah. You wouldn't think of the most basic option. You would overcomplicate matters. No, and, and, and he says that in the film, though, doesn't he? So I keep forgetting you're a kid, you know. Yeah. But it's just, it, it's one of those things. I think watching it as a 40-year-old and watching a, a 17, 18-year-old in that situation, you're going, actually, would, would I... Pick up the phone and ring someone? No, but I don't think I would. I'd FaceTime them. You go along and you make mistakes. Swing the seat of your pants, you know, that type <laughs> of thing. Literally. Yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But at this point, you're right. At this point, 
I mean, I was invested five minutes into the film. I wasn't, it, it was a slow burn, but I was still invested all the way through. At this point, though, I'm sat at the edge of the seat going, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? You had a feeling something was about to happen. So we knew, um, we knew from all the promotional material, if anybody followed the trailers, and let's be fair, trailers are pretty crap these days in the amount that they give away. Um, there is a lot of material that is given out on these trailers these days. And um, one of the things that we we were 100% sure on was the villains that were appearing. We knew about that. Mm. And that, for me, is one of the hooks and one of the things I think that made me so impatient at the beginning of the movie. Because we know these guys are um, appearing in the movie. We know that you, you've got your Dr. Octopus, you've got Hawk. We know you've got the Green Goblin, uh, Sandman, Electro. I miss it, a lizard. I was missing the lizard. So, yeah, you know you've got all these guys showing up. You don't know how. You don't know what the situation is. You don't know what kind of a part they've got in this movie. So, it, to me, that, that was where, that was what um, really nurtured my impatience. I was eager to find out what was going on. A little too yeah. eager, probably, because it means I probably didn't enjoy it to the extent I should have taken it for what it is at the time. But, you know, I'm the intrinsically impatient person so it is what it is um one of the things i want to pick you up on is uh what you said about audiences with belly laughing and so forth and whatnot um belly laughing was only the half of it i mean i obviously saw it on release day so the the amount of spoilers that were being seen and the amount of spoilers that were out there in the wild were Few and far between, um, enough that I caught one, as I said, that very morning. Uh, but there were, you know, there were two specific guest appearances who you've shown in the pictures, which we're looking at now, um, from Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire that nobody really had any idea about. Everybody, everybody knew the rumors. Everybody knew, um, the, the, the idea of the multiverse and everything else. Nobody knew for sure if these guys were going to be in it. It was kept wonderfully quiet. Andrew Garfield lied through his teeth in, no, in numerous interviews, which was great. I mean, the, the guy's an actor anyway, so you're not really going to catch him out. But, yeah, w when those appearances happened in the showing that I went to, I mean, the, the noise was incredible. You might as well have been at a theatre show. It was outstanding. You know, applause, cheers, um, yeah, whooping in the audience, everything. You name it, it was there. And it was such an electric atmosphere. It was unreal. It, it rivaled really to Endgame, didn't it? Because, you Absolutely. know, you, you, and I, you and I went to see Endgame and we saw it on premiere night at midnight in a, a packed cinema, um, you know, and we both remember, you know, speaking for you, the moment when Tony Stark died and, and the fact you could, you could hear weeping in that, in that cinema. Forget the moment that Tony Stark died. What about Steve Rogers lifting Mjolnir up? I mean, that was, pardon me, well, yeah, right. electric. <laughs> just ask Jamie Foxx. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. But when he, you can just go back to Tony Stark, when he died in the funeral, I mean, I remember looking at you, you looked at me, and we both could hear somebody a few, a few rows back, verbally weeping, like really crying. You know, because that's the impact these characters have on you. Well, um, a lot of a lot of people. Keep in mind, I mean, this has been going since two thousand and nine. 
Um, yeah. It is now uh, 2022, uh, 2021 when the movie came out, obviously. Uh, a lot of people have grown up with these characters. I mean, I'm yeah. talking about Spider-Man here, not necessarily Endgame. Endgame came out quite a few years ago now. But even then... Not that long, I mean, not that long. Came out in 2019. Yeah, yeah, 2019. You were talking out. even then, there's a decade of these characters at this yeah. point. So, you know, a lot of people, if you saw Iron Man when you were 10, you're 19 now. You know, if you saw Iron Man when you were you were 13, well, then you're, you're 23. Mm. So, you know, that's um, that's a significant investment, you know. The Harry Potter films were very clever in what they did with that, in the fact that, you know, the first film was very much for children. By the time you made it through to the end, they were a lot darker, they were a lot more gothic, and they were a lot more serious. They moved on with the audience that they were targeted at, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the Avengers movies, the, the, the Marvel movies are no different in that respect. You become invested in the, uh, the, the relationships, the stories, and, and the characters themselves. So, obviously, the, um, the more you know these characters, the bigger the emotional pull when something happens hmm. and I'm sorry but I'm going to go out and say it right now that we had a re really really poignant um, example of that in Spider-Man No Way Home you know um, let, let's be fair we are doing um, spoiler warning uh, we, we are cutting through the spoilers so to speak oh, yeah. we are, full disclosure um, Aunt May oh that was that I, I I will admit I didn't cry, but I got a little bit teary eyed. Oh, I shed a tear over that one. Beautifully Absolutely done, wasn't did. it? Hey, beautifully done, beautifully shot and acted by by both of them. Um, and and the fact that that line with great power comes great responsibility, which is thread throughout every Spider Man film Except since Tony Maguire days, huh? Except these ones. Until now. Yeah. And there's that scene when he says it and then Maguire finishes it. Yeah. You know, afterwards. Because that that oh. was the hook. That was yeah. the hook for the character in that, you know, because obviously he's like, you know, you guys don't belong here, just go away. You don't know what I'm going through. But actually, yeah, yeah, you know what? We do know what you're going through. So, you know, we've been there, we've done it already. This is nothing new. Yeah. And but, that, oh, that was yeah. wonderful. So that scene, um, that initial scene, which brought all three characters together, was absolutely um, masterful in, it, in the way it was executed. Um, I think, and I'm, I'm not shy about saying this, I don't know if we've discussed this on one of the previous two Men in Their Mics episodes or not, but I've always been a big Andrew Garfield fan. Um, no, you've never been, said that. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd take them over the Tobey Maguire ones any day. Um, probably because I'm a little more prone to enjoying my darker stuff. Mm. Um, the, the, the things with a bit more bite to them, you know, no pun intended against spider bites and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I've always really, really appreciated the Garfield movies. I love the first one. The second one, I have a love-hate relationship with. Um, mm. I didn't love it at all when I first saw it. It had its moments, Jesus, the Gwen Stacy bit killed me. No pun intended mm. again. Um, mm. But yeah, it really, really, really got me that did. But the film as a whole, I thought in places was rather forgettable. I didn't like the portrayal of Electro. And 
you know, it, yeah. But Garfield as an actor, easily, including Tom Holland, my fa favourite iteration of the character. See, that's really interesting because I watched Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, and I didn't rate him. Didn't think he was any good. Didn't rate the character. Didn't rate the film. Obviously, you rate Spider-Man, but didn't rate the, the, the character. And I think that was because we got so used to having three films with Tobey Maguire and then a quick reboot into Andrew Garfield bringing a, a, a different perspective. You know, it's been a fair few years since The Amazing Spider-Man first came out to Spider-Man No Way Home. So there's been enough time to, you know, give that gap and give that break. Um, but I'm, I'm the same with you in terms of Tobey Maguire. I thought the first two films were excellent. The third one with Sandman was, was abysmal and just wanted to be to be forgotten but what i will say this andrew garfield really convinced me about him and sold me in his portrayal as peter parker and spider-man i thought he was genuine i thought he was funny i thought he was um comedic as and when he needed to arrogant which is you know something quite, quite like that quite like that portrayal of it and it's something that actually i've now want to go back and watch the Amazing Spider-Man again to give it another chance. And here's the thing: um, let's be honest. No Way Home makes the previous movies better. Oh god, gotcha. yeah. Just by being what it is, it makes the other movies better. Um, going back to what you were saying there, if I had one criticism of that movie, is that there was too much comic relief from the other Peter Parkers at times. I think it was slightly overdone in places. I think they probably could have eased off it a little bit. But it's a minor quibble. Um, you know, again, I might watch those previous Spider-Man movies and say, well, actually, yeah, the humor is quite in character. It's been a long time since I've seen them. You know, I'm not going to yeah. lie. So, but the one thing I was getting at just now, what I was saying is for me, um, Andrew Garfield was the MVP of that movie. Mm. Without a doubt. He showed um, probably in the very few scenes that he was in more emotion and more genuine hurt and upset than uh, what I think anybody really could have expected. You know what I mean? It's, it, I think when he starts ref referring to Mary Jane and the loss of Mary Jane, that's when it really came out and you could kind of see the darkness and, and, and what he'd gone through. Um, yeah. You look at them and, and you look at the three different incarnations and you've got to go, Toby Maguire is the Uncle Ben, isn't he now? He's like the the maternal father figure of of the two Spideys. Then you've got the older brother in terms of Andrew Garfield, the, you know, I, I'm there as a shoulder for you, but really, you know, I'm going to go and do my own thing. And then you've got the youngster. Then you've got the the young Peter Parker, the rookie, the one who's still very raw emotion. And there's that couple of looks that they give them, that they both give each other, Garfield and Maguire give each other when he's about to beat uh, the goblin at the end of yep. the movie and, and they pull it back. And but you can see his journey throughout this film as well, where he grows and he makes that ultimate sacrifice, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, yeah. But it's that stewardship, I think, from those two. Without those two, this film would not have worked. Yeah, absolutely. They were, you know, there was, they brought a lot of heart to the movie, a lot of heart to it. Now you talked about that fight on the uh, Statue of Liberty at the end. Um, did you did you notice um, a few little hints and nudges to other things in there? No. 
So um, one of the big things for me was the fact that they were fighting on Captain America's shield. Um, ah. It fell down from the statue. They were putting the, the, the shield up on the Statue of Liberty. It fell down at one point in the movie. That's where they're scrapping at the end. But um, Peter Parker, um, Tom Holland, is about to obviously um, end the Green Goblin at one point. And he does it the same way that Cap um, put Iron Man out of action in Civil War and the same way that um, John Walker killed someone in the uh, soldier. He's just got this big, you know, jet yeah. thing, like the, the board, and he's about to bring it down on him. So um, obviously that was also a tie-in because that's how May died with being, you know, hit with the um, the glider as it is. Yeah. But I just thought that was some really, really nice synergy with the Captain America side of things there. I mean, there's so many nods to Captain America in these movies as well, like Steve Rogers, the musical and stuff like that. It's just it's brilliant. It's really well, that's in, the Haw- that, that's in the Hawkeye series, isn't it? The opening episode is that with Ant-Man, uh, but if you if you see um, all the billboards and stuff when Spider Man swinging around at the beginning, they've got the Steve Rogers the musical posters yeah. up and everything. This is the the one really clever thing about Kevin Feige and Marvel is they don't miss anything, do they? If they, you know, if they sew something into the TV series, they will find a way to weave it in to every other property that that yeah. they have, and. You've got to think, I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, this is, we're now in phase four of, of the MCU, right? They already are planning phase five, phase six in terms of, of the course. TV series, of in course. terms of the movies. You imagine how in te- depth that planning and that story arcs have got to be to make sure that She-Hulk fits in with um, Loki 2, that fits in with Falcon, which fits in with Miss Marvel, that fits in with the man we're going to talk about in just a second, Charlie Cox, Daredevil, that fits in with everything else that they're doing and the multiverse and the Guardians and Thor and Black Panther 2, uh, Wakanda Forever and Eternals and the potential of the of the Fantastic Four and the X-Men joining at some point in the, in the next two phases. You've got That's to believe this. You've, you've got to believe that somewhere in those um, Walt Disney offices, there is the biggest timeline you've ever seen where they've got little notes of where films and stuff are all fitting in next to each other so that nobody gets confused as to where it's going. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know what my, one of my big disappointments was? You know, when you talk about tie-ins, that Julia Dreyfus wasn't in the film. Because that's the that's been an underlining pin throughout some of those series is Julia Dreyfus yeah, and Madame Hydra. But as yet, I mean, wouldn't that have been shoehorned? Let's be fair. Possibly. Possibly. It wasn't relevant. And I'd rather it not be there than it be there, but be completely irrelevant to the story. Um, I could get it potentially as a post-credit scene, but yeah, I I don't think it was essential. Um, What I'd love to, uh, to see more of is, and you just mentioned this, and it would be rude to talk about this movie without mentioning it further, and that's Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Um, yeah. Or Matt Murdock, as the case may be, because we don't see him suit up. Um, obviously, there's the reveal recently with Hawkeye that um, Vincent D'Onofrio is also back as the Kingpin. Uh, whether or not these are direct continuations from the Daredevil TV series, 
this remains to be seen. You know, with the multiverse idea, it could just be the same people but different backgrounds. I hope not. But either way, I'm happy. I, I'm just going to go to a comment that's come in the chat room from from Head of Steel on who's watching on Twitch, um, who's saying, "I would love to see that timeline." So would I. Can you imagine the size of the office in the House of Mouse for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much absolutely. how much wall space would you need uh, in order for that to to kind of be done? You know, going back to your point about Daredevil and and, and Kingpin, I don't think they will be different. You know, I think that um, there's been a hint in the in the spider-man film which is making it the same continuity and what i love is the fact that the brit came in and and he caught it and that <laughs> was his reaction whoa <laughs> did you do that? have you been bit by a spider i was waiting for him to, to to kind of turn around and say so um let's be fair the whole idea of the superhero origin story is a little bit rope these days isn't it it's um it, it's it's been it's done you know they've proven with spider-man that if people are aware of the character you don't yeah. need to do an origin story to make that character work you know they've dripped and they've, they've dropped in drips and drabs of spider-man's um upbringing of his history etc etc through various bits of exposition you know um like uh, tony stark when he was showing him the youtube videos of this dude in the costume like stopping cars and stuff that was all they needed to do to set the scene of who this Peter Parker is. Yeah. You know, they did a wonderful job of that. If you can avoid doing an origin story, avoid doing it. We've seen it. We've done it. We've been there. You know, who who wants to see? And this is, um, yeah, potentially a knock at the upcoming Batman movie, which I've told you in you know our various conversations before that. Sadly, I'm not all that interested in the moment. Um, now that is that is a massive shock because you go back a year to when it was all being talked about that that was all you were raving about was what the Batman yeah. film was going to look like you know with Robert Pattinson and taking it back to the beginning and, and a whole new spin on it and I was where you are going nah I don't think so now we've rocked we we reversed because the trailer that they showed at the film I, I messaged you and went it looks fantastic I really want to see it. It might be overkill. Three trailers later, and I'm bored with it. Mm. Honestly, bored with it. That doesn't. Um, where were we say going with this? I don't know. We're just doing a I random conversation. Like you knocked me off. <laughs> Origin stories. Yes, yes. So that's another reason. That's another reason that I'm, you know, that, that I'm not that into the Batman side of things because you got to believe that they are going to pick up the origin story somewhere along the line. There's talk that his bat symbol is made up of pieces of the gun that killed his parents and so forth and whatnot. So it is what it is, fine, whatever. But who needs to know it again? Nobody. Everybody knows how Bruce Wayne became Batman. Everybody knows what happened. Yeah. Um, the same goes for Spider-Man. And at this point in time, given how popular that TV show was on Netflix, everybody knows who Daredevil is at this point. And if you don't, go watch the show. You know, it's, it's a it great TV show. It, it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the House of Mouse buy back the rights. You know, just like Paramount have bought back the rights to Star Trek across international distribution, it wouldn't surprise me. What a get shit it show that was. <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk about that another day. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did buy the rights to Daredevil, Jessica Jones, the Defenders, hopefully not Iron Fist because it was totally shocking, um, and the Punisher and Luke Cage. I mean, 
if they're the ones who are rumored to be coming in, um, bring those series to Disney Plus and put them on stars. You've then got that entire, uh, you know, that entire universe really, haven't yeah. you? Now, two things, two things I want to touch on, uh, if we can, and we've kind of skirted around it. So let's talk about it. The villains. Now, they picked quite possibly the best villains out of the films. Um, William Defoe as uh, the Green Goblin. Uh, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. Jamie Foxx as Electro. Uh, you have the Sandman as well. What was your take on the villains that they brought back to these films? Awesome. To this film. Awesome. Flat out awesome. So uh, let's be fair. Green Goblin, um, the original, in, in more ways than one. And I'm going to correct you on this. It's Willem Dafoe, not William. Oh, I thought I said, sorry. I thought I said that. Sorry, Mr. No, Dafoe. You, you, you said William, but it, that, that blew my mind the first time someone told me that as well. I always used to yeah. refer to him as William Dafoe, but it's not Willem. Um, but uh, he is such a versatile actor. It is yeah. unbelievable. And he showed some serious chops in that movie. And the fact that he's gone on record as to saying that he was only going to do it if he was allowed to do his own stunts. You ballsy bastard. You know what I mean? At the age that he's at, that's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And he did. He put in a fantastic performance. Um, Electro was the biggest surprise for me because I actually didn't mind his character in this one. And I've already gone on record as to saying I didn't appreciate who he was in The Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 2. Um, I think the, um, the digs about having to watch where you fall were fantastic. Because obviously he fell into the vat of eels and then uh, yeah. uh, the Green Goblin fell into something else. And that's why they turned into who they turned into, etc. So there was a lot of in-jokes there. And I, I really appreciated that. Sandman, um, that was an interesting choice because he wasn't necessarily really a villain. You know? It, no, he was he was someone who had suffered he straddled his own. the line. The one thing that turned him yeah. into a villain at the end of the movie was the fact that he just wanted to sod off home. Yeah. And like, is that bad? No, not really. But then the best villains are always the ones that aren't necessarily bad. They're just misunderstood. Thanos. You know, that's something I've always enjoyed. Um, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. It's still, no matter how often I see it, no matter how often I see it, I'm still blown away by the technology that Marvel use and Disney use to de-age mm -hmm. people. You know, when they first used it for, um, for, for Tony Stark, in, I believe it was Civil War, actually. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, that absolutely floored me. And it's just getting better and better all the time, to the point where Alfred Molina, you would not have known that he'd been de-aged in that movie. No. You would not have known. And no. the, the first the first scrap on the bridge, uh, when Peter's trying to get his, uh, his MIT results changed, um, when there's fighting on the bridge and you've got the tentacles going everywhere and everything, I just loved it. I was literally, that was the point where I was like, yeah, this movie is cool. As if I wasn't there already. It took me back to 2002. It oh, really did take me straight back. In fact, I forgot it wasn't Tobey Maguire Spider-Man at that point because you just got engrossed and, and you remembered, like you, know, you, like you said, when you watched it as a kid and you've grown up with these films and, God knows how many times we've sat there and watched Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 um, with, with, with Maguire and the, and the iconic kiss with Kristen Dunst. But it's, 
you just forget and you get drawn in. And I'm looking at my brother-in-law going, I, I, how? This is, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid again. And yeah, it was fantastic. It was a great choice. Uh, it was just like being a big kid. Sorry, I keep going back to saying that because that's what it was. It was just like Christmas Day coming once uh, yeah. at that point. Now, one other point that I want to touch on is the future of the characters. Because we know now that Tom Holland is signed for another trilogy of um, Spider-Man films. That's been that's been released. His comments were apparently taken out of context when he said he didn't want to portray Spider-Man anymore after these three. Um, we also know um, that in this story, nobody knows who Peter Parker is okay. anymore. Okay, so I'm going to chop you off for a minute there. Um, first of all, Daniel Craig is evidence that you can say that you never ever want to play a character again and still come back when enough money is offered to you. Yeah. Um, it's got to be said, uh, for the amount of money that they're getting paid, I would play whatever they wanted me to play. Yeah. I, I, I would do my own stunts. Absolutely right. I probably wouldn't be very good at them, but I would try. Anyway, um, I'm glad you touched on this. And this conversation is something that could probably, in all fairness, go a whole other hour. You know, there's a lot to unpack in regards to the ending of the film. And let's get something straight. Um, the ending of the film was my favourite bit. Out of Why? all that happened, out of all that happened in that movie, the end was, for me, that, 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 that punchline, that, that, um, that culmination of everything that's come in, that was it. Because what it was, what the ending of that movie did, was it signified that Peter Parker just growing up. Yeah, he's no, coming back. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into that in a little more detail. So, first of all, again, you know me. You know I like my dark, my depressing. Um, I'm a big fan of tragic endings. I don't like anyone to have a happy ending because if I can't, then why can you? And um, in in all in all fairness, no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I just like can I, can I just say, scrap what we said at the beginning. If you want him to come back, <laughs> it's gotta be lighter. No, if um, I love tragedy, one of my favourite TV shows, and um, and I know Ben Allen was scheduled to appear today on this as well, and he hasn't, and it's a shame because I'm going to touch on um, probably his favourite TV show of all time, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of my favourite shows as a kid, and the reason I loved it so much was because of the dynamic between Buffy and Angel. Um, you know, he's this tormented vampire. And he's found someone who loves him, and it's a woman who's supposed to kill him because of what he yeah. is. And then the moment they hook up, he turns into this evil vampire, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, he's trying to kill her because it's a lot better than I'm making it out to be right now. But, um, yeah, it's just this really tragic thing. You've got this almost um, unrequited love thing going on, and that they, they can't have each other, they can't be with each other, but still, they just, they're painfully in love. And it's great and it sounds sappy as hell and I get that. But um, I love it. I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. Absolute sucker. So, go on. I was going to say, it's, it's a quite Shakespearean. Very, really, isn't very. it? Very. And I'm, I'm big on Shakespeare. Um, I really do enjoy Shakespeare. So, yes, it is Shakespearean in that respect. So, you can imagine when the ending of the movie comes along and... Um, in order to fix things, everyone needs to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. You know, I mean, I'm sure you can pick holes in the logic behind that, and you could certainly pick holes in the world. What's his social security number? 
Um, how does he even exist? How does he make a living? How's he going to, you know, get on a payroll anywhere, etc., etc., etc.? Forget it. I don't care. It's fiction. I'm not bothered. Um, what I'm bothered about is the fact that they end this movie with literally nobody knowing Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Nobody. Mm. Nobody. Not anyone. That's great enough. And I thought, actually, this is a brilliant place to end it. You had that exchange between him and uh, MJ, where she says, you come find me, and you make me remember. And he goes, goes to find her, and he gets his coffee, and he slips and trips on his words, and he decides to do nothing. And he decides to do nothing, because ultimately he knows that by keeping Ned and MJ in the dark, he's protecting them. Hmm. he is protecting them from everything they were at risk of in, in the first couple of movies and his his love for her at this point transcends the need to be with her he just wants to protect her from everything and that is more important to him than any kind of consummation of their relationship hmm. or any kind of you know actual relationship she is more important to him than that and I just thought that was utterly wonderful because now wherever we go with this movie, with these movies in the future, wherever we go with them, he is carrying that pain with him. You know, that in itself has developed an untold amount of growth to the character. So do we see now a more darker no. Peter Parker, or a more um, chip on his shoulder, you know, because of that? But... I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. I think, going back to what you said, I don't see this being the end of these characters. It's not. Uh, MJ and, in fact, and Ned. Thank, thanks for saying that, because actually that's brought me on to another, another point that I took from the end of that movie. This isn't the end of those characters. In fact, this is the beginning. Yeah. Realistically, if you look at it, the whole, um, the whole situation, the whole... Uh, Peter Parker with Iron Man, the whole um, the criticism that was lobbied at the, the remake of the Spider-Man series by saying, well, actually, he's just Iron Man, you know, version two. Mm. Uh, he's just Peter Parker's little lap, uh, Tony Stark's little lapdog, etc., etc., etc. Now, that's just gone. That's completely erased. So he's got no access to Happy Hogan. He's got no access to any Stark tech. He's got no access to anything. He's just Peter Parker. So what this what this film has done is this film has taken a character that has been established as you know a different hero to the one we all know, and they've just pressed the reset button, and they've just turned him into everything we do know, you know. So at the end of the movie, we see him um, whip his way out uh, of his you know little um, apartment window, and he's in the traditional bright blue and red. Spider-Man suit, the, the Lycra that we're all used to, which mm. you could argue that he got the inspiration from the, uh, the two alternate dimension versions. Yeah, absolutely, which again is fantastic. So, but, right. just a second. Um, what we're seeing now is, did you ever watch the cartoon? The yeah. 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 So what we're seeing now is that Spider-Man. So we've got a Spider-Man who is 19, 20 years old. So he's a young man. He's not a kid anymore. Um, he's a little bit world weary. He's experienced. Um, he's certainly in love with Mary Jane, who doesn't love him back at this point in time. So we've got that chase going on again because that's going to come back. 
you know. Um, but we've also got him isolated. He's technically a villain to, you know, the media in New York City and everything else. It just completely wipes the slate clean. Mm. Uh, even the Avengers don't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Nobody knows. Spider-Man is just Spider-Man. He is now as um, separated from everything as anyone in the MCU can be. Which is going to make it very interesting, isn't it? If they do uh, another Avengers, which you know they're going to do at some point, because apparently uh, Doctor Strange is the new leader of the Avengers. He's the new most senior one. Um, you know, so Spider-Man obviously still exists. The, the world still knows Spider-Man. They know what he's done. Like you said, he's a villain, a good guy, whatever. When he's back with the Avengers again and he pulls off the mask, what's going to happen then? Well, nobody's going to know. He's not necessarily going to pull off the mask. That's the point. Um, you know, even in um, the comic books, not everybody knew, very few people, in okay. fact, knew that he was Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Expected, yeah, everybody expected something slightly different. You know, they didn't know he was a kid, etc., etc. So, I, I, I two things that I just wanted to, to come back to. Uh, before we move on the first one is the the look that mj gave peter when he was doing that speech when he, he walked out necklace on. yeah yeah and he so obviously still wearing the necklace still wearing the necklace referenced the cut on the head yeah and you know she said it doesn't hurt anymore um but there's that last little scene when he walks out and the camera pans back to her and you can see she's like something is in the back of my mind you can just like deja vu exactly like i know this person i don't know something is familiar something's not so you know it's it's there so that that for me is is kind of indicating you know we're, we're going to continue with this and of course they're not going to let it go it's going to be the stereotypical i say stereotypical um that sounds like a bad thing it's not a bad thing it is going to be that there's a great storyline argument here for love conquers everything, even Doctor yeah. Strange's biggest spell, you know. So I'm 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 all in for that. I'll take that. Let, let's talk about one other character, and that's Ned, because out of you mean hobgoblin, of, the hobgoblin, yeah. Out of out of all of them in the three films, you know, you talk about Tom Holland and Peter Parker growing. You talk about Zendaya and MJ growing coming out of a shell and coming out of being this dark like loner person to actually being wanting to be with friends ned has developed from this geeky star wars building model lego nerd to someone who is now able to wield the magic ring and open yeah. the ball open the multiverse and, they, and they've already set him up as a villain because he said he wouldn't be so of course he's going to be of course he's going to be so you need that... you need you need that tragedy in your life you need it <laughs> but if it's also um... but it's also sorry echoing toby Maguire's spider-man because it was the best friend the, the... always has been in the spider-man series yeah i know been. even you know dane, dane dehan in um how can i remember his name and not jk simmons that's ridiculous <laughs> but um yeah, he, he was in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I believe, as the one of the goblins, be it Hobgoblin. I think it was Hobgoblin. But um, again, the friend, and that is all. That's always been part of the um, yeah. the, the Spider-Man thing. They're just twisting it and turning it around a little bit, same as they turned Uncle Ben into Aunt May this time round. 
the change in, and I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, Ned is actually in the comic books as well. But um, I'd need fact checking on that one. So it's going to be interesting. Go on. No, I, I was just going to say I'm pretty sure that he is the Hobgoblin in the comic books too. So it's going to be interesting where we go with Spider-Man. It's going to be interesting where the MCU goes because we know the next film now is Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse. We know that Wanda is in that film as well. And we know it's good Strange versus bad Strange. So what else are you expecting from Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse? Nothing. Really? Yeah. Do you know why? No. Because this is going to be another WandaVision situation. So that's exactly what you're going to get from this. We're going to have another Mephisto. You know, oh my God, Mephisto's going to be the villain. Mephisto's in it. Mephisto's in it. Mephisto's in it. Guess what? He's not. And you're disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. We knew it. Um, so that's where we're going to be with this. Everybody's expecting everyone in his dog to turn up, you know? There's talk of Chris Evans turning up as the, 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 the human torch from the Fantastic Four. There's talk of Hugh Jackman turning up as Logan. Um, there's all sorts of talk about these things. And don't get me wrong, are they out of the realms of possibility? No, not at all. They could happen. The properties are owned by Fox. The actors will probably get paid an exorbitant amount of money to do a 15-second or 30-second scene. Um, yeah. Again, I'd be all in for that. Who wouldn't? Um, it, it finally ties these characters and, you know, Hugh Jackman, I'm looking at you. It ties these characters into the bigger Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. And I'm not being funny, but let's be fair, who doesn't want to acknowledge Wolverine, Hugh Jackman as a part of the MCU all day long, all day long. But um, I am not, I'm not buying into any of that at this point in time. Because I don't want to be disappointed coming out of it. Well, we'll have to see so, what happens when it comes out, which I believe is May. Uh, I, that, think, I think people are looking in the wrong places for what they're going to find from this film. Um, do I think that they may reuse snippets from Fox movies to create some kind of view into another world or another dimension or another area, the multiverse or whatever else? Yes, I think they could. You know, if Strange is doing something and, you know, there's a portal opens or something, you could potentially see the X-Men fight in one of the Sentinels from Days of Future's Past or something else. Yeah, maybe that could happen. But for my money, I think that the focal point of the multiverse of madness, rather than being Fox properties or Chris Evans making a cameo as a different character, um, I think you're going to find that they're going to lean on what if. It's going to be interesting. And what I'll tell you what is Go for it. If, if, if you're going to see cameos of any sort, I think you might see a Captain Carter, a live Ooh. action Captain Carter. I think we've already seen in the trailer that um, Strange is fighting the um, Shuma Barath, I think its name is, um, yeah. the big uh, tentacle monster that we saw in um, the What If series. You said yourself, we've got the Dark Doctor Strange. You know, those are the things that I would think that this is going to pull in from. And I, it, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me, dare I say it, and this might be controversial, I don't want it to be, but it might be. Um, I wouldn't mind betting that when this was in production, there was possibly 
possibly the thought process of Chadwick Boseman appearing as some kind of Black Panther Star Lord, because you know that was probably the best episode of What If. It's going to be interesting where they go, but one comment has just come in, and I and I want to get your your pick on it because I think it'd be great. Head of Steel again on Twitch. Wouldn't it be a hoot to have an Andrew Garfield Spider Man movie where the Fantastic Four show up? Now there is. There is a petition going on at the moment, isn't there, to try and get Garfield to come back for another Spider-Man film. Yeah, and that's something I'm glad we've touched on, actually, so thank you for that. Um, there's a lot of rumours about, um, you know, The Amazing Spider-Man 3 and this, that and the other. And uh, I've got to be honest, where we're at at the moment, um, you, you'd be remiss if you didn't mention the Spider-Man cinematic universe at this point in time or the Sony whatever the SCU. Sorry? The SCU, not so Spider-Man Cinematic Universe. The Spider-Man Cinematic Universe, yeah. You'd be remiss if you didn't mention that because obviously we've got um, Morbius, which, breaking news, I don't know if anybody knows this yet or not, it's been delayed until April. Um, That was due out this January. In fact, it was due out about three weeks, two, three weeks. And it's been delayed by three months. It's now the 1st of April. Makes you wonder what's going on with that film because it makes you wonder why. Yeah, so there's something wrong there. Is there? Or is it just. Are are there some last minute alterations going on? Uh... So, um, one of the big big rumors and the big hot topics at the moment is Andrew Garfield picking up again as Spider Man. Now, if anybody's followed Andrew Garfield, they know that he's in love with the character. He was devastated when he lost out Spider-Man 3 to, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and so forth and whatnot. Devastated by it. So it's no surprise that he came back. Um, Given the reaction that a lot of people have had. Now, I've said myself that I think he was the MVP of the movie, and I do, and I'll stick to that. Um, Would I want to see an Andrew Garfield-led Spider-Man movie going forward? Yeah, absolutely I would. But... The problem there is you're potentially risking oversaturation of your brand. Well, I was about to say, I mean, also, how can you have two Spider-Man films in in the same the, the same sort of era? Do you, do you know what I mean? So you've got Tom Holland and you've got Andrew Garfield. Yeah, but you'd use different universes, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd, Sony would then direct theirs towards Andrew Garfield's universe rather than... Yeah, but, you, but you, it's a bit like Star Trek, though. You wouldn't have the Star Trek Abrahams timeline or the Kelvin timeline airing at the same time as what the prime timeline Why is airing. It? it would just be too, too much continuity error, too much confusion. What if they did an Andrew Garfield series? No, no, I don't. My, my take on it, I think in a lot of ways, you're right. I don't think it would be the best version. I said this due to brand saturation mm. of mm. having an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. Would I want to see it? Yes. Do I think it would be a good idea? Not really in the sense that it would confuse matters to the casual fan. So I'll pitch a different idea. What about having Spider-Man as an additional part to all of his villain movies? So rather than being the headline character, he's just a vital part of those movies without being the headline. So, you know, Venom 3, Venom 3 with... um, Tom Hardy. Tom, Holland, um, Tom Hardy, not Tom Holland. Have, you know, have Andrew Garfield in there. 
You know, how do we know that he doesn't exist in that universe? And that, that for me, would be fun. The, the one thing that's got me really confused is Morbius. Because there's nods in Morbius to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's nods to the Amazing Spider-Man universe. And there's nods to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man universe. So where is it set? When is it set? What is the score? What's the situation? Who knows? I was looking forward to finding out this month. Maybe you've answered your own question, and that's why it's been delayed by so many months. Because I don't I think, I, I genuinely don't think Sony and Marvel um, appreciated the reaction that Garfield was going to get. I think Maguire, they knew he was going to get a great reaction, but I think they really underestimated the, the audience love for Andrew Garfield coming back yeah. and the way he's put himself across in this film. And that's part of it is the way he's put himself across yeah. in this but movie. I, I also think, and you, you hit the nail on the head there. I also think that the reaction that he's got is in no part down to anyone else other than him. You know, yeah. when he came in and he was talking about, you know, how he let himself go in regards to villains, he clearly killed guys clearly, you know, yeah. once Gwen died, he went off the rails. Um, yeah. That emotion, the raw emotion that Andrew Garfield showed in those scenes was just absolutely heartbreaking. You know, the, the scene where he's talking about MJ on the roof, uh, not MJ, Gwen on the roof, and that he couldn't save her, you know, he, he refers to her as his MJ. And then we flash back to that at the end when MJ falls and he zips down and catches her and he's almost in tears, you know, and That's the acting... Andrew Garfield literally had my eyes welling up more than once in that movie. And but that's, that's his redemption arc. Yeah, that's what that's won him redemption. over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What a film. What a film. So, I've said it before, and your, your big question, just to, to cap this off a bit, you were going to go back to this, weren't you? I was going to, yeah. See, <laughs> you can tell we've done this before, can't you? Hey? Indeed. So your question at the beginning of the show was, is it the best Marvel movie of all time so far? My answer to that is it depends. It you depends don't like on your giving straight answers, do you? You really Where's don't like giving straight answers. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> um, it depends on what you take from it and what you've taken from previous movies. You know, if you, like us, uh, grew up with Tobey Maguire, went through the cinema with Andrew Garfield with the ups and the downs, and followed the cinematic universe from the beginning to where we're at now, yeah, you're damn right, it's the best yeah. Marvel movie so far, without a doubt. You know, not in my mind. I left the cinema there thinking, my God, what have I just seen? You know, because of the history. You can't create history like that, because ultimately... Any attempt to create it is going to feel forced and it's going to feel rushed. Nobody mm. plays that kind of a long game where you've got to tie into a movie 20 years later, not without forcing it, you know what I mean? So to, you know, to have that come to fruition now at this point, it is literally everybody, every fanboy's dream result. And that's what we had. That's what we experienced. Everyone was talking about it long before it happened. Oh, multiverse. Let's do, um, you know, like into the multiverse live action part, oh, Sony and Marvel. I bet they won't, blah, blah, blah. But they did. They did. And it was just as great as anyone could have expected. 
So yeah, if you have that background, if you have that investment into those characters, yes, absolutely best Marvel movie to date. If you're a casual fan, and you're not necessarily quite sure who that one is, but you knew the other one, maybe not. One one last comment before we begin to wrap it up. The credit scene, Venom. Yeah, I loved it. Is that teasing us towards something, do you think? Of course it is. Of course it is. Now, you mentioned earlier on, started me off again. You mentioned earlier on about um, whether we're going to see a dark Peter Parker. You certainly might see a Peter Parker that's, you know, racked with guilt and um, certainly some kind of indecision about how to go about his situation with MJ. Because let's face it, he's going to be pining, absolutely pining as a character, knowing this woman is just there, but knowing that what's best for her is not what's best for him. You know, so that's going to lead to some resentment. He's isolated. He's got no friends, no family around him. You know, uh, Aunt May's gone. Ned's gone. MJ's gone. The Avengers have gone. Everybody's, nobody else exists to him anymore in that respect. He is as isolated Mm. as they come. Mm. So that's where the symbiote comes in, in my opinion. Because it's going to, let's be fair, Venom feeds on those kind of feelings, those kind of experiences, etc., etc., that kind of uh, aggression and anger and stuff. It's, it's written itself. It's going to be good. We're going to have to wait to see what happens. Jay, thank you for joining us to talk Spider-Man. I've really enjoyed it. It's Pleasure. been like the old days. It has to be been fair, fun. I just feel like I've been yabbering on and on and on. You ain't even said all that much. <laughs> That's normally what happened on Two Men, if you remember, right? You know, or you you just told me to shut up. There we go. Um, Right, that's it for this edition of the Retro Chat Podcast. Next week, um, are we going to be live? I don't know. We might be, but our topic uh, for us is going to go back into the vaults of Star Trek, and we're actually going to look to season six. We're going to look at the two-parter from the next generation called Chain of Command, which was known for how many lights did Captain Picard see? We're going to talk all about Chain of Command. There were five lights. And we're going to show you and tell you more about a project we teased on Christmas Day during Blackadder, which is called Star Trek Through the Lens, where we're going to be taking an in-depth look at every series, every movie, right the way up to Picard, Discovery, and Lower Decks over the remainder of this year. So we'll be talking more about that next week. Uh, and of course, Chain of Command. If you've got any memories, any thoughts, any comments, any criticisms or anything about what you've heard tonight on this edition of the Retro Chat, tweet Jay. Um, if there's anything positive, tweet me. Um, and we will you we will give that feedback to you next week. Plus, if you've got anything you want to know about Chain of Command, let me know on social media by joining us at all of these lovely places, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch, Retro Chat Podcast, and tweet us at Retro Chat Pod. Um, been a pleasure, my friend, to have you back. Likewise. Look yeah, forward likewise. to the next one. Look forward to yeah, the next indeed. one. Absolutely, absolutely. It remains to be seen what one that will be, but um, either way, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we'll get one booked been a, in. Been a pleasure being back on board. Thank you for the invite. My pleasure having you back. Right. For Jay and for me, we will see you very soon. Until then, stay with me. We will see you right here next week on the Retro Chat Podcast. Until then, bye-bye.